Hello everybody, it's a great joy to be able to share something from God's Word with you today. And uh, I just want to thank uh, Ian and Craig for the tremendous job that they've been doing uh, since uh, the lockdown began in, in April. It's not easy to be able to stand in front of a camera and, uh, and speak to people, particularly when you're not used to it. And I just think that they've done a tremendous job. I want to thank Don also, who has been behind the camera and, and making sure that we all are able to uh, hear the Word of God and receive from Ian and Craig. My son has often gone to a party or a, a social gathering and met someone there who's asked him the question, uh, what is your relationship to Trevor Loudon's stool? And he's been able to answer them, obviously, he's my dad. If I was to ask you the same question today, but not in relationship to me, but in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ, I wonder what your answer would be. If someone was to say to you, what is your relationship to Jesus Christ? I'm not speaking here about the quality of your relationship, but what your relationship actually is. Maybe you might answer, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that doesn't really describe our relationship to Him. Maybe someone might say, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You'd be getting closer to the way that I've asked the question, the answer that I'm looking for. If you were to have asked the early believers uh, that same question, they would have defined themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, this is very important for us to consider today because the way that they defined themselves defined the way that they related to the Lord Jesus Christ define the way that they viewed themselves in the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we cannot answer that question, what it shows us is that we don't have a good, proper or sound understanding of what our relationship to Jesus actually is. Also, the early disciples were the prototype that God has given for all believers in all generations. And if they were taught to consider themselves as disciples of Jesus Christ, then I believe that that's the way God wants us to consider ourselves as well. And so today, what I want to do is I want to look at uh, what the meaning of a disciple is. And I want to look at it from a biblical standpoint. I want to define it and describe it from a biblical standpoint. And I believe that as we do this and we come to understand what a disciple was back then, and we begin to apply that to ourselves, we will be able to see how we relate to Jesus Christ or how we are meant to relate to Jesus Christ in our lives. So let's have a look at this. I want to start off today by reading Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. It says there, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, 
everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now what we see here is we see the Lord Jesus describing what it takes to be one of his disciples. Now he uses in this passage the word hate. And I think that that confuses a lot of people. Because people are asking the question, does the Lord Jesus want us to hate our father and mother? Want us to hate our brothers and sisters, our wife, our children? That's not the way he was using that word. He uses that word in this passage as a relative term. What he's actually saying is this. He's saying that you cannot love your father and mother, your brothers and sisters, your wife or your children, or even your own life more than me, if you're going to be able to be my disciple. You see, what he makes very clear here in this passage is that being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ requires 100% commitment from us to Him. There cannot be any part of our lives that is not committed to Him. And the reason is not because He's trying to dissuade us from becoming his disciples. You know, someone might look at that passage and think that he's actually trying to dissuade these people that he was talking to from becoming his disciples. I don't believe that that was what he was trying to do. What he was trying to do is he was pointing out to them that it's not easy to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, that their commitment to him would be challenged in every way. And that if there was anything in their lives that was more important to them than he is, they would fail to be able to finish the journey of discipleship that they had began on. So essentially what he was trying to put across to these people is that they needed to be very serious about making the decision or the choice to become one of his disciples. It wasn't something that they should do lightly. He was, he was pointing out to them that it was not going to be an easy road that it was going to be faced with many challenges. And so he's sharing this, this, these truths with them so that they will be able to make an informed decision. And I believe that the Lord wants every one of us to be able to make that kind of decision as well. A decision to become one of his disciples, knowing what it will take, knowing what it might cost us, that it might cost us everything. Does this mean that the Lord Jesus does not want disciples? If we look at another passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 to 20, we will see that nothing could be further from the truth than saying that the Lord Jesus does not want disciples. In fact, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we'll be able to see that Jesus' very vision is to have disciples. Let's just have a look at this passage. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. We read there, then Jesus came to them, that's to the 11 apostles, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What did the Lord Jesus Christ tell his 11 apostles to go and do? He told them to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, why would he do that if he didn't want disciples? Why would he do that if he was content with just a few disciples? We also need to note when he spoke these words to the apostles. This happened after his resurrection and before his ascension into heaven. This is one of the last things that the Lord Jesus spoke to his apostles before he went back to be in heaven with his father. And so here he is giving his parting words, his, his farewell address to his apostles. And he's giving them the commission, the, the very mission that he wants them to be involved in and wants, to, uh, wants them to carry into the rest of the world. And it all revolves around making disciples. You see, what does this tell us? It tells us, first of all, that Jesus clearly seeks disciples. It tells us what his vision is. When we read these words, we discover the vision of Jesus Christ for the world. His vision is that in every nation, amongst every ethnic group, there would be disciples. People just as committed to him, people just as dedicated to him as the apostles were who were standing in front of him. So we see his vision as he looks at these 11 apostles standing in front of him. His vision was that those 11 apostles would be multiplied into an innumerable amount of disciples that uh, would fill the whole world so that there would not even be a single nation on the face of this planet that did not have disciples just like the apostles were in those nations. Do you know that when the Lord Jesus spoke about building his church. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, sometime before his crucifixion, he had said to uh, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. We remember that passage. I think Craig may have preached from it at some point a few weeks ago. What was the Lord Jesus seeing in his mind when he said, I'm going to build my church? What was he talking about? He was talking about this multitude of disciples that would be birthed in every nation of the world. You see, the passage that we've just read here in Matthew is describing how Jesus was going to build his church. It was the beginning of the fulfillment of his words when he said, I'm going to build my church. When Jesus Christ talked about his church, what was he talking about? He was talking about disciples. And in fact, in the book of Acts, you will see that the word church and disciples is used interchangeably throughout the book. You see, what is the church? The church is a congregation or an assembly of disciples. And someone, when they became a disciple, became a member of the church. If someone was not a disciple, they were not a member of the church. Christians, the very term Christian was given to people who were disciples in Antioch. So the very word disciple is something that we see being used after Jesus's resurrection, after his ascension, and once the Great Commission had begun, we still see people that came to faith in Jesus Christ 
referring to themselves as disciples. And uh, we see even the communities in which they lived recognizing that they were disciples of Jesus Christ. I wonder today whether the community that you live in or the, the group of people that you associate with and have contact with in your everyday life would recognize you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If this is, if this is so, if Jesus Christ equates His church with disciples, then I believe it's very important for us to understand what a disciple is. And we need to understand it from a biblical viewpoint, a biblical position. Why? Because back then in those days, this, uh, this uh, aspect of discipleship was very common in the culture. Many great leaders, many philosophers, many religious rabbis, they all had their disciples. And so as a culture, there was an understanding of what discipleship meant, what a disciple was back then in those days. Today, we don't have that depth of understanding. Many people, if I was to ask them what is a disciple, would struggle to really be able to define it, and certainly to define it correctly according to the way it was back in those days. So what I want to do is ask this question right now. What is a disciple? What is a disciple in, in the sense of what a disciple was back then. And I've come up with three words. I've thought about this a lot. Three words that describe, if they put into one, describe what a disciple was back in the days of the Lord Jesus. These three words are this. Number one, apprentice. A disciple is an apprentice. Number two, a disciple is a devotee. Number three, a disciple is a partner. Now, some translations have taken the word disciple and they've changed it and put in the word student. The problem with using that word is that it makes us think that a disciple is someone who's just going to go sit in a classroom and learn some facts from somebody, maybe like from a professor, so that he can go and be, uh, do whatever he wants to do with what he learns, get a, a trade or a, an, a, an occupation. But a disciple is more than that. A disciple is an apprentice. He comes along somebody who is skilled in his trade so that he can learn from that person that trade. He commits his life to serving that person, serving under that person, so that he can become like that person. That's a far closer and better understanding of what a disciple is. When the Lord Jesus was walking along the shores of Galilee, right at the very onset of his ministry. Uh, we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18 to 22 that he saw two brothers, uh, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. And we all know the story. Jesus called out to them and said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then we see a little bit later, after they had left their nets and begun following him, we see two other men, James and his brother, John, were also in a boat on the shores of, of Galilee with their father, Zebedee, and they were preparing their nets. And Jesus called them in the same way. And it says, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Now, what was this call? What was Jesus calling these four men to become? When he said, come and follow me, 
I'll make you fishers of men. He was calling them to become his apprentices. He was calling them to travel with him and learn his trade. And as we'll see later, become a part of his business, a part of what he was doing. You see, that's what apprentices do. The fact that they left everything. They, it says they left their nets, their boats and their father. And they followed Jesus brings me to the next point. A disciple is a devotee. In other words, a disciple is more than a, an apprentice is as we would term an apprentice today. I could be an apprentice of somebody and I could go to work every day and I could learn the trade under that person. But then after I've learned it or I've served in the company for that particular period of time, I then go and begin my own enterprise. You see, that's not what a disciple was. A disciple was someone who had a personal commitment to the person that was mentoring them, that was teaching them. And so this is what we see the apostles do. When they received that call, they dedicated their entire lives to traveling with Jesus, to being trained by Jesus, with a view to becoming a part of His work. That was what the whole thing was about. And so back then in those days, every disciple had a formal recognizable relationship with the one that they were being discipled by and in public they were identified with the person that was their teacher or their discipler or their rabbi whatever he might be called so for example we see that John the Baptist had disciples and people would say these are his disciples Plato even as in the Greek culture back then he had disciples Aristotle was one of his disciples most of the Pharisaical leaders had disciples. The Apostle Paul was a disciple of the teacher Gamaliel. And we also know Jesus had disciples. And if we look in Scripture, you will see people referring to Peter and John and James and Andrew and the rest of them as the disciples of Jesus Christ. You see, their identity was in the one that they were following, in the one that they were teaching and the one that, that, that sorry, the one that was teaching them and the one that was training them. You see, in those days, a disciple was more than just an admirer. Back in Luke chapter 14, the passage that we read at the very beginning, we see that Jesus turned to those people who were traveling with him, the crowds that were traveling with him, and he begins to speak to them about becoming a disciple. Now, what we need to understand is that those people were all admirers of Jesus. They were all those who would praise Jesus. They would speak well of Jesus. They loved Jesus. They thought highly of Him. And yet the Lord did not consider them to be His disciples. Why? They had not taken that step across the line. They had not made that commitment to learn what He was doing, to be associated with Him and to become a part of His cause. This brings me to the third word, the word partner. You see, the, the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, they weren't there just to learn the trade that Jesus was involved in. They weren't there just as devotees, but they were also there as partners. The Lord Jesus Christ said to them, I don't call you servants, but I call you friends because I have made my business known to you. So as a disciple, the Lord saw Peter and the rest of them as those who were part and parcel of everything he was doing. 
And if you go back in history and you look at how disciples related to their teachers back then, you will see that they were very involved in spreading the teachings that they were being, that they were being taught. They were very involved in lifting up and glorifying and bringing honor to the one that they were a teacher of. They were very interested in his reputation. And so as a partner, they would serve, they would advocate the teachings um, the, of their teacher, and they would, they would promulgate them all over wherever they could. All right, so although they were, they were partners, they were obviously partners in a junior or subservient fashion. They were not on a par. They were under their teacher, but they were involved in the work that he was doing. Now, I hope that from this description, you're getting a picture of what it means to be a disciple and a better check picture of what Jesus Christ wants his church to be. You see, this is what Christianity is all about. Christianity at its very inception was all about discipleship. It was all about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, an apprentice of Jesus Christ. That means learning from him wanting to become just like him, wanting to become as skilled as he is in all that he does. It's all about being devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way, having a strong personal commitment to him, being fully identified with him in the community, in public, and also serving his cause, being committed to his interests, doing his work, partnering with him, becoming a part of what he is doing and what he's all about. Do you know that this is what baptism is? Baptism in water is simply this. It's somebody becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And if you look in the book of Acts, that's what you will see. You will see every time someone was baptized, from that point on, they were, they were considered to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Because water baptism is the ceremony, it's like the inauguration ceremony that officially makes someone recognized as a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is all about. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit about? It's about receiving power to be able to do the work that Jesus Christ is training us as his disciples to do. So do you see how scripture and the whole, our whole walk with God is really summed up and defined in this one word, discipleship or being a disciple of Jesus Christ. When we meet together, what are we meeting together for? We're meeting together to help equip one another, teach one another, share with one another what we are learning so that we can all become better disciples of Jesus Christ and bring him glory and honor together. I believe that this, if we understand this, will give us a better picture of what Jesus Christ wants us to be and what he wants his church to be. This is what our calling is about. Jesus has called us to be equipped, to be devoted, and to be involved. He's called us to be fruitful and successful in our service of his name. And in fact, he wants us to be that. Why? Because if we are like he is and we are fruitful and successful, that will bring glory and honor to him. And that's why in our lives, everything we do, we should be doing it to bring glory and honor to him. 
we should be living our lives with this understanding that we carry His name, that we are identified with Him because we are His disciples. And we should want to be as much like Him as we can possibly be. That should be our goal because that's the goal of every disciple. When we look at the disciples and we look at the apostles, the early disciples and the apostles, do you realize that we find in them the example of what Jesus is looking for every single one of us? What He wants to see in us, what He wants us to be in terms of our devotion to Him, in terms of our commitment to Him, our service of His name, our attitudes and so on. This is why the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus Christ. You see, the Lord has given us His apostles as our examples. And that's why when we study the Scriptures and we see the way they were, how they went about their lives, how they conducted themselves, how they, they treated others, how they responded to persecution and all of that, we discover in that how we as the disciples of Jesus are also meant to be. Someone might ask, what about a secular vocation? Can I be a disciple of Jesus and still have a secular vocation? Well, do you know that most of the disciples of Jesus back in those days had a secular vocation? You see, not all disciples were preachers, but all disciples were being trained, equipped, all disciples were devoted, and all disciples were involved in the work of the Lord. I want to challenge you today, first of all, to see yourself as a disciple. When someone asks you that question, what is your relationship to Jesus Christ? You should be able to fire back straight away, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Maybe they wouldn't fully understand what that means. Maybe you would have to use those three words that I use to describe what a disciple is. I want to challenge you to see yourself as part of Jesus Christ's team. Part of His team in the world. See yourself as one who has been called, chosen and selected to walk with Him, to learn from Him, to be devoted to Him and to serve His cause. Remember the Lord said, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. When He said that, He was speaking to His disciples. Remember also that in Luke 14, He said it's not going to be easy. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you're 100% committed to Him. It could cost us all. We need to learn to be unashamed about Him. And let's play our role well. Every one of us has a role. Judas had a role. He was a treasurer, but he didn't play it very well. We all have a place in this team of disciples, this multitude of disciples that Jesus Christ is putting together. Let's do what God gives us to do, what the Lord calls us to do. Individually, let's do it well. And let's not forget that there is an eternal reward. The Lord Jesus said this in Mark 8:35, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And in John chapter 12 verse 26, he said, If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to return and he's coming with his reward. There's coming a day when we will receive glory, honor, and immortality from him. And 
we know His promise is, is certain. We know He is faithful. And so in these days, in these times, when everything is being, uh, there's great upheaval and everything's being shaken, it's so important for us to remember this. Who we are, what Christ has called us to be, the role that He's given us to play. And in these days, let's stand as the disciples of Jesus Christ without fear, without shame, and let's do the work He's given us to do. Let's finish the job that He's left His church to do while we're here on this earth so that He can come back, so that His kingdom can be fully established on this earth, so that His name can be glorified and hallowed, and so that His will will be fully done on this planet as it is done in heaven. I pray today that you will take this challenge seriously and uh, that you will commit yourself to deepening your walk with Jesus Christ, seeing your relationship in a way maybe you haven't seen it before. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the Word of God. And I thank you for this message, Lord, which I believe you have given to me to share with your people, your saints. Lord, my prayer is that you would take these words and that you would use them to enlighten our hearts, to open the eyes of our hearts, so that we would see ourselves as you see us, that we would understand our calling as it really has been given to us, and that we would commit ourselves to being your apprentices, to learning from you, to being equipped, that we would devote ourselves completely to you in every way, and that we would serve you as partners in your work, in establishing and extending your kingdom and your influence in this nation and wherever we go. Father, I pray today that you would help us and empower us by your Spirit to do this. I ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. It's been great to be with you today. And uh, I thank you for listening to the Word of God. And I thank you for your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless you. May He keep you. Amen.